Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 30 for Monday, September 7th, Labor Day in the U.S. here, 2015. And welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast here back in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Las Gatas, California, it's Paul Kent. How are you today, Mr. Kent? I'm a little tired today, Dave. Yeah, same. <laughs> it, was, it was a great, great weekend, and I'm really glad we had this Labor Day off to, you know, recoup. But it was like a big week last week, exhausting week, and then, uh, and then a you know, it was, it was a thing this weekend. Yeah. I can't, uh, I can't wait to hear about it. And, um, and I should, I should probably tell you and all our listeners, it's possible. I may not be playing gigs for a few weeks. What? Well, I hurt my wrist this weekend, Paul, and it's not a good, th- I don't, I don't know if it's broken or not. It's really sprained. I fell actually fell and uh, landed on my butt, but kind of rolled and, uh, twisted my wrist in the process. Had some what extra- were you doing? I was playing, we were at our, uh, we go to this family camp, uh, Labor Day family camp every year. There were about, a, I don't know, 150 people there. And it's, it's like, uh, it's at a regular kind of kids camp and, but it's just for families and it's kind of a nice thing, you know, this for Labor Day weekend. And, uh, so we were playing a, a very loose, friendly game of touch football. And, um, I went up to catch a pass and I missed the, the pass that particular time. And on my way down, I had my balance perfect. And this little kid, tap he couldn't possibly uh, have tapped me any lighter oh but it gosh. was just enough you know to send me send me on my butt and yeah. uh yeah it's it's it happened yesterday it's pretty swollen i had um so i you know we're hockey people and because of that we always travel with 128 hertz which is a low c tuning fork and the reason we do is because if you think you have a broken bone you put this on the bone while it's vibrating and uh Everyone around you will know if that bone is broken because uh, the of the amplitude of your scream. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It 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 you know it hurts more when it's vibrating than it does if you just wait a second. Know, touch the it. vibration will amplify the break and it will give you pain and you'll Correct. know that it's broken. Is that Correct. what you're saying? That's exactly oh right. God. Yeah, yeah. Never so, heard that before. So I did that on all these little bones in my wrist and all this stuff and and nothing, but it was still hurting today. And I figured, well, it you know. I'm a drummer. It's my wrist. So I don't really want to just assume based on a tuning fork that, you know, I'm good to go. So I went and had pictures taken, uh, you know, went to the emergency care clinic or whatever, when we got back today and, um, and they're like, yeah, so it's, there's no obvious bones broken, but, uh, anytime somebody like hurts their wrist and has wrist pain, we assume that this one little bone that wouldn't ever show up on a, on an x-ray is broken. It's like, well, Wait, so you got knocked off, so you came down off axis, yep. went backwards onto your butt, and tried to break your fall and put your hands out, and that's what you did? Well, no, because it, it, I, I knew not to break my fall with my wrists, right? So I took the fall with my butt, but kind of after that is when I rolled and, and kind of twisted my wrist. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was all, you know, it's all one pretty thing. Pretty freak, yeah. It was pretty freak, yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you immediately having to cancel any gigs? I don't know. I have an acoustic gig on Saturday. Um 
And so, I mean, you know, right. My wrist is sprained. There's no question about that. And it's swollen because it's sprained and it hurts because it's sprained. The question is, you know, how badly is it sprained and how long is it going to take to heal? And it's really only been, you know, maybe 30 hours since it happened. So I've kept it immobilized and I put ice on it and stuff, but I've got to give it a couple of days and see, you know, it's, it's too soon to tell. I'm supposed to go see an orthopedist, which I'm going to do, but, um, I'm, you know, I don't want to head down the path of just assuming it's broken. You know, I want to know more before we just say, oh, sure. Put it in a cast for two months. You know, wait wait a minute. Hang on. You know, what exactly or why are we doing this? So I'm sure I'll know more in a week. I'm not sure that I want to know what I'm going to know in a week, but. um, Is is the calendar pretty full if the worst comes to pass? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I've probably got four gigs in the next. Um five weeks. So yeah, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. Saturday I could get away with, cause I could just, I could just sing harmonies, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and whatever with the acoustic gig, but it, that, that's not, um, that's not what all of the gigs look like. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Have you ever had an injury that caused you to lose any significant amount of time in your playing career? Never. No. And that's kind of what's got me freaking out is that, you know, I've, I've hurt things before, you know, but never anything. Nothing that's that's made. I mean, I've even like cut my hand or, you know, stupid things that you do. And it's just never been in a way that even remotely affected my playing. So this one's like if I had to play, I can't play today. Just the way. I mean, just based on how swollen my wrist is. Um, mm. I mean, maybe I could. Terrible. It's terrible. It's really kind of sorry to hear me. that. man. Thanks, man. Well, good luck that, that it's less than more, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. So there's uh there's my exciting news for the day. Yeah. We had a nice weekend. You know, it was uh it it's it's we do this every year. This was our seventh year doing it. And uh like I said, it's just a regular camp that it's actually a girls' camp all all summer long and then uh, for Labor Day they do a family camp. And you know, it's great just cuz we do, you know, stupid things. We play touch football and we sail and kayak and swim and do arts and crafts and sing kumbaya at the campfire and you know i mean it's all it's just camp yeah actually kumbaya uh you know this is the first year that uh the camp has not at least i've not been involved in the camp singing kumbaya uh <laughs> but but it's happened every other year but i think they did it one night um in the kind of in the big field when uh when i wasn't there yeah but Good. uh Good. yeah it's fun you know we bring the guitar we uh you know i always bring my acoustic guitar and we bring those out at the campfire at night and kind of you know, just pass it around, sing songs. And it's awesome. And I guess for you, you, you know, you only have a couple more years with the kids of the age where you can do that. Right. It's possible. This was the last year. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, we listen, it's, it's always like three days and you're living in a cabin and you know, it's non optimal living conditions, but that's not why you're there. But you know, and the food is like, it, it, it varies from year to year and that sort of thing. And so, at the end of three, you, you know, you're, you're talking to me. We, we woke up there this morning on our third day. And yeah. so everybody is always like, Oh gee, I don't know that I want to do this again next year. Cause I certainly wouldn't want to stay there any more than we were, <laughs> you know, yeah. but by the, you know, by the time January, February rolls around, it's like, Oh yeah, we got to go back. So yeah. Yeah. Family yeah. traditions. It's traditions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but there was some talk about, you know, family camp Cozumel or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Family camp club med. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, exactly. So funny. yeah, we'll see. That'd be a different experience. 
Uh, yeah, but still. Pro- probably no kumbaya. Mm, it could be if you want it. I mean, you do whatever you want. So, I guess you could start something. If we can, you can start anything. That's right. <laughs> so you had this gig. I, I want to hear about this. Because uh, my only gigs right. this weekend were, you know, falling and then also playing guitar <laughs> on the, at the campfire, you know, which I, I was able to, able to play guitar last night, which maybe wasn't good in the long term. Yeah. But yeah. It was actually good for the soul. So that was good. So, uh, yeah, I had an interesting week. So I had an, an acoustic trio gig Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I had a, an acoustic solo gig Thursday. And then I had this huge event. No, no, no. Wednesday. Yeah, I was off Friday. Then this huge event that I work on year round on Saturday that I'm going to talk about in a second. And then we actually had a very big event on Sunday mm. as well. And that one on Sunday, I, I want to talk about a little bit as well, because it was kind of like the end of our tour type of vibe to it. I mean, it was the end of our summer season. Sure. Last big outdoor one. So I want to tell you a little about this, this park dance event that we put together. So we've alluded to the fact that you and I have both uh, created certain events for our bands to play at yeah. over time. And I live in a really nice community in Northern California. It's um, it, it, there's there's a lot of music here. So they run they run a, a summer concert series. They run a summer that's a that's a Sunday night thing. They run a summer jazz series that's a Wednesday night thing. There's a couple of good you know clubs in town for cover bands to play. It's a, it's a pretty music favorable town. And um, I had this idea about five years ago. Now we play at, and they also have a big art and wine festival that, that my band has been the headliner at for the last 11 years. Nice. And I, and I, I just love my town. I mean, I've raised, raised kids here. It's, it's a great sense of community here. It's really a cool place to live. It's a cool place to grow, have raised kids and it's a cool thing. And I wanted to do something for my community. And I, I had this vision of this event that was bigger and more communal than anything of these other music events that I've been telling you about. So I went to some friends of mine who run uh, a nonprofit in the town. And this nonprofit, what they basically do is they raise money for things that the town needs. So, you know, the snack shack at the football field needed painting and they'll raise money for that. And one of the things that they raised money for in years past was a very beautiful bandstand in this huge park we have. So we have a park called Oak Meadow Park. It's beautiful. It's scenic. It's like a giant open field. Um, and then there's like kids playground and it's attached to a county park that has a, you know incredible lake. And actually in Oak Meadow Park, there is a restored kids railroad for the kids to ride or a restored kids carousel for kids to ride. It's, it's really a fantastic park in this little town. So the town I live in has about 30,000 people. And uh, I had this idea to do a music event that was like a community dance thing. Now, other communities around here have done these types of things, but they tend to they tend to be um, functions of downtown associations who are trying to draw people in, sure. to you know to you know fill restaurants and yeah, fill there's shops. A, there's an ulterior thing. motive, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so here we have this big, beautiful park, and this nonprofit called the Los Gatos Community Foundation had dedicated a big, beautiful bandstand. Now, not the type of like little couple around, you know, you can't play there because the sound bounces up. This is a huge 30 by probably maybe 30 by 30 um, um, bandstand area with probably about a a 30 foot high um, um, roof on it. Yeah. And it's at one end of the park and it's really, really cool. So I'd gone to my friends in the community foundation and said, I have this idea to do a, a dance in this park for our community. 
and uh, and actually actually make the event primarily about the music as opposed to music being the gravity that brings things for other reasons. Yep. And having seen how much people really liked these these park, these street dances that, that were in the towns I said that were in downtown, I know people like these things. And like you and I have said, family friendly, you know, just really engaging. And again, I live in a very, very wholesome, you know, like nice people raising nice families. And so I just really had a sense that this would be a cool thing. And I, so I this is, this is actually the genesis of this reminds me of, of sort of how Cirque du Mac began right in the Mac community that we had wanting because, to do something for people. Yeah, well, for people, but, but with music as the focus, cause we played yeah. a couple of parties where it was for people, but the music was sort of this afterthought and, yeah. and it wasn't as much fun, at least not from the standpoint of a music event. So yeah, no, this was a I community like dance event. And yeah. so I brought it to them five years ago and you know, the way these nonprofits work are, there are, um, they usually have like someone who's on staff paid to be like an executive director, right, but right. then they have a board of directors and the decision-making revolves somewhat around the strength of the board of directors versus the strength of the executive director. And at that time they had a board of directors that had some specific ideas about what to do with this idea. And they gave it a name that I wasn't too, you know, I didn't think it was great, but the event was going to happen and we put a bunch of time in it. And originally the first year that we did it, it was going to be like a one day music festival. So it started at two in the afternoon and I think we had four or five bands that first year. And, you know, by the, and it was, is it's the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. It's been that every time. And, um, no, oh, that'll, that'll never work. Everybody goes away for Labor Day weekend. And I didn't think that that was true because especially now, you know, out here in California, more and more schools are starting middle of August and, you know, Labor Day weekend, you know, some people do go away, but I don't know that overwhelmingly, I never thought that overwhelmingly people went away. So anyway, the first year we held it, it had a name that I wasn't crazy about. I didn't think it grabbed people. Uh, and it was more of a music festival format. And what happened is by the end, there was a pretty good crowd to hear my band play. So of course, you know, I, I, I wanted to do this for my community. So I offered my band services uh, at no charge and we were still even five years ago, we were a pretty good draw. And by the, by the evening, it was a, it was a good crowd, good sized crowd. I'd say 1500 that first year. Oh, not bad. That's not bad. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a pretty huge park. So 1500 felt, yeah, spreads out, Uh, but it was, but it was fine, but it wasn't an overwhelming event that went over great. So let's fast forward. We didn't do it the next year following that. And then the next year following that, I'm talking to the woman who's the executive director, who's a, a friend of mine, actually. We've become friends over time. And uh, she, she was like, should we pick this up again? Because the structure of the community foundation had changed a little bit. And they were a little bit more open to ideas to, to let Sharon, the executive director, and myself drive this idea to our vision. And so we put a ton of time into it. We, we, you know, raised some money, got some sponsorship. We did some really smart things um, and the event went off and it was really, really good. It was, you know, probably about 2000 people and it was a lot more interesting. Yeah. Right. Enough so that we had a good time. We went ahead and did it the next year. So last year was the second year. So we're going to, we're going to chop off that first year. That first yeah. year was a trial. Sure. It wasn't on, it wasn't on message. It wasn't on task. Uh, so you skip a year, then we started again. Last year was about 3,500 people. We um, got more sponsorships and all the money that we raised went right back into this. So, you know, we had a nice dance floor installed, a little bit better lights, you know, a couple of things in the, in the event starting to feel like a, like a thing. And interestingly, like a side note, last year, 
the day of the event, we had, I think, 375 RSVPs to our Facebook invite. I remember you. Yeah, you were talking about this ahead of time. Right. This this year, the day of the event going in, we had 1,600 Facebook That's RSVPs. Awesome. So, you know, you talk about that snowball effect and the word getting out. And, yeah. and, and it always had kind of this good vibe to it. I, like people liked it and it was fine. And actually at 3,500 people, you wouldn't say it's a, it's a failure by any stretch of the imagination. Nope. No, you wouldn't. But, That's right. But. But we, you know, we wanted to grow it. We wanted to grow it. So we added another guy who joined us to do specifically marketing mm. and, um, and he did a great job. And, uh, uh, you know, this Facebook thing was growing and growing and growing and we're getting to the event. Now I'm going to take a little side uh, detour on this story. So I was saying that my town also has an art and wine festival and this friend of mine is, uh, does the music program at the art and wine festival. We had been the closer of the event before she had taken on this for many, many years and we'd continued. So 11 years we've been doing it. We do the art and wine festival. And, uh, so that's, uh, I think August 8th and 9th, August 10th, Sharon is not feeling great. And she goes into her doctor thinking it's dehydration or exhaustion from a really busy, busy running in. Sure. Yeah. Running it. She's rushed to the hospital and, uh, given a bunch of tests and she's diagnosed with leukemia. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. So A, it's my dear friend. Yeah. And B, it's three weeks before this big event that we're putting on that she basically runs with. So, I, you know, she does all of the legwork. And um, so she goes in. She's in the hospital for a couple of days. You know, she has me come to visit her. And, you know, we talk and we cry and we just kind of talk about things and and she hands me her binders. She's really done just about everything. I mean, she's so organized and so good at her job. So we were in pretty good shape, but we did need some help of the things that she would do um, on site yeah, of the event. Right. So she puts out an email as she's getting a little bit sicker and a little bit, you know, her, her situation is getting more intense. She puts out the email and a bunch of her um, service club, you know, like the lions club, step up, do an amazing job, just pick up every loose detail and the event goes forward. And so two points that I want to make about this, a, I'm telling you my community is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. The the people who stepped up in Sharon's name to make sure this thing ran to her expectations and be something that she could be, she could be proud of. It was amazing to the point of our local cable access TV station came out and did a four camera shoot of the event. But in addition to that, they brought out one of these iBeam telepresence robots and Sharon actually got to watch the event oh, from her hospital room. So that's that was outstanding. Cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. And then um, one thing that I wanted to do is uh, we took a moment about two thirds of the way through our part of the show. So I had an opening band and then we played opening band played from 530 to 7, uh, 530 to 645. We played from about 710 to about 930 and uh, about two thirds of the way through our show. I didn't want to make it, you know, a, a, a too heavy a thing, but I, I just came to my and said, "Hey, sure, I want to say something." So I said, "Hey, the woman who has been responsible for putting this show on for you guys for the past three years is taken ill, and I want to do something special for us for her. Um, I'd really appreciate it if everybody here could hold up their cell phone. We have a professional photographer to take a picture. We're going to call this light up the night for Sharon." And immediately, you saw thirty five hundred cell phones go up into the sky, into the night sky. The pictures from it are, are dazzling. I mean, they're unbelievable. And so I'm going to get this 
you know, printed and we're going to give it to Sharon and let her know. And I, I have to imagine it's going to give her energy to fight, you know, yeah. a little harder and keep on going. So it was an emotional night and it was, so all this stuff, you know, what does this have to do with music? So interestingly well, enough, but that, but I mean, music's about emotion, right? It's, it's a way wow. of expressing. So it's, I think it's a perfect tie in. Yeah. Well, cool. So, so my uh, friend's band, the Johnny Neary band opened for us. They play, Come kind of more 60s classic rock, a lot of Credence. They played some Zeppelin. Um, great opening band, four-piece band. They did a great job, got the crowd really warmed up. And, you know, I've been saying, we've been fortunate enough to work hard at building an audience. So he probably played to about two-thirds of the audience that ended up coming. Sure. And especially once it started to get a little bit darker, you know, more people started coming out of the woodwork. I'd say we had 5,000 people this year. Um, by all estimates, it was it was about a third bigger than it was last year from how far back the sea of people went. Yeah. So it was really cool. Um, we got loaned, not quite loaned, but all, for all intents and purposes, loaned an amazing festival um, sound system with these uh, speaker arrays that were just fantastic. I mean, even the 5,000th person in the back could hear. Was, having a, was having a really good experience that's with, good. with the sound. Yeah, that's, well, that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, that I'm curious about with this is, you know, all the logistics of it is how, you know, how does that come together? How, how, where did this, you know, how early did you have to start setting all this up? What, you know, what was the, sure. can you walk me through some of that? Cause that, that's really sort of interesting to me. I've never put on, put on an event, you know, at that size. So yeah, it's curious. Yeah. Well, so we work on the event about nine months of the year, sure. gets more intense at about six months in. And then, you know, we kind of hit the ground running about three months in with our, with hardcore marketing. Yep. Uh, you know, so, so that whole thing, you know, we plan out. And the interesting thing about the logistics this year is that we were seeing the growth through this Facebook invite and we were trying to match up the growth with the revenue because more growth, I think I was saying at the end of last week's show, do you have enough porta potties? Do you have enough, uh, you know, public safety people there to right. make sure the experience is good for people? And, uh, you know, there's not a science to it really. I mean, you know, we have X amount of money to spend. And if you have to make a gamble, where do you make a gamble? Well, so we, so we made more of a gamble on public safety and you know, made sure that we had a uniform police there. We had this kind of, um, uh, and it's another local association that does first aid at festivals and also provides some security. Um, one of these uh, Los Gatos Lions that stepped up is a retired Los Gatos Police Department. And, and he made sure that the, the, the working police department was very clued into um, what was going on. Of course, they knew a 5,000-person event was coming to our 30,000-person sure. town. Sure. So, of course, the, the PD and the PD was awesome. So it was, it was a lot of discussions about managing growth. And as we got a little bit more sponsorship money, we did things like we, we increased the, the dance floor from 30 by 40 last year to 60 by 54 uh-huh. this year. That's because the event was so much bigger. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was right, 3,000 so, square foot dance floor. So I have a couple of specific questions and I'll, I'll, yep. I'll just ask them in order. So the, the you mentioned sponsorship money, which begins to answer my my question. This was a free event for attendees, right? Yeah. And, and so sponsors is basically the only way it gets paid for. Is that right? Well, in the past years, it was the only way it gets paid for. But we knew we were going to come up short. OK, So one of the clever things we did this year makes sense is we got the local high school's cheerleaders to come out. And once during the opening band and once during my set, we announced that the cheerleaders would be walking through the crowd. Any donations people could make would certainly help us. We did, we did unbelievable. People were so generous. 
and uh, it really, you know, we, we might break even as a result of, of what the, you know, the people did. So we augmented sponsorships with just a request with for donations. Goodwill. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's uh, no. that's actually the podcast model, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's doing a little well. <laughs> well, OK, so your expenses and, and obviously if I if I ask too specific a question, just, you know, feel free to tell me. Yeah, not now. But do, do the bands get paid? I mean, where, where you know, you say you're you're getting close to break even where two questions. So do, do you pay your band? And if you don't break even, where does that money come from? Yeah. So the event is underwritten under the auspices of this Los Gatos Community Foundation. Got it. They are the they are the parent organization that takes the umbrella of things like liability insurance, which you would never think to do an event this big without having some kind of insurance, you know, underwriting your event. You sure. can go out and get event specific insurance. If you're just a guy, it's it's going to be a little harder to get. But you know, they have as a as a nonprofit the ability. Yeah. Um, another great thing about um, why I partner with this group is. Because they um, they donated the bandstand, one of their deals with the town was that they get to use it. And they weren't using it because they didn't have any events to do it for. So, you know, other people would have to rent the bandstand and, and that type of thing. Uh, and that was one of the things that was thrown in. But um, the the financial, we, we, we've been right on break even the last couple of years. The first year, the band didn't get paid. Okay. Um, but then last last year and this year, the bands do get paid. Uh, you know, it's it's still a, a donation of their time. It's not scale or it's anything not like full that. full scale. Full no, pay, absolutely right? not. Yep. Um, but um, but there is money flowing. You know, back to the bands. And one of the things that happened is, is after the first year, um, we we actually took a look at the budget, and as other groups, a lot of things that happened the first year were goodwill relationships that either Sharon or I had, yep. you know, in all ways, donations of services or donations of money. And as more people started asking questions about, about the budget and what it takes to do it, it was really only fair that we created a budget that was actual costs. Well, that's right. Yeah. You can't expect it to just be people donating their time forever. Right. Right. Yep. And, and so under the past two years, you know, there was a real budget that, had you know real costs like to do this right you really do like you know that sound system would have been a crazy you know we still got a great deal on it nobody else could have gotten the deal that we got on it sure and it was part goodwill it was part connections but it was but you know we budgeted to have a better sound system than we had the first year and if we would have had five thousand people with the same sound system that we had the first year or the second year probably wouldn't have been a very pleasant experience for that five thousandth you know person in the in the back of the in the back of the park so there's a real budget that that operates there, and if there is a shortfall, we we either well that, that's kind of an accounting thing for the community foundation. Yeah, so whether, right, right. Whether they carry it carry it forward, the next, you know they'll they'll give one. We haven't had the problem whether there's one year of elasticity where the next year would have to pay for the previous year for the previous year. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. But uh, the the wild card this year was we got more sponsorships because it's doing better every year. But then this this walk through the the community to just get pocket change basically yeah, uh, probably put us over the top. I mean, we haven't done the final accounting for it, but it's, sure. it's going to be really, really close. That's but great. remember, you know, you happen to know me who happens to be a event guy who yeah. has put on events for many yeah, years. Yeah, This is not your so we first had a good rodeo. Plan. Right. It's not my first rodeo. And we had a, we had a realistic plan every year yeah. relative to our reality. So the first year we knew we were going to get a bunch of favors. And so we knew about what we had to go out and get sure. The next year. We knew we were going to, have more realistic costs associated. We knew what sponsorships we had to get and we got more. 
The third year, the third year. Okay. So this is the third year, excuse me. The third year, um, we knew we were going to have more people coming and we need to increase services. And we actually raised our sponsorship rates and not everybody paid everything that we asked. Um, some people, some people paid more, uh, we're happy to pay more, but some people, you know, if we asked for X and last year they gave Y, they might've said, I can't do X, but I'll give you a little bit more than I gave you in Y. And yep. so more money came in to cover these things, but every penny goes right into the event. I mean, of course. I don't, I don't take any money. This is from where I started. I wanted to do something nice for my community. You know, I'm proud of my band and I think my band can give people a, a, a really special um, experience. And so I want to do this for my community and my band willingly gave their time the first year. Yeah. And then, you know, when it became apparent that, you know, it was fair to pay people, I don't take any money for it because this is my labor of love, yep. but I'm happy to pay my band. And again, they take a lot less than they take for just about any other gig. So it, uh, it works out. And the thing about this thing, so I, I just want to close on this. The thing about, I, I do have that, some more questions. So don't, if you, okay. if you want to wrap up, uh, give me a, nope. give me, no. Yeah. No, no. I'll, I'll just say what I say. Okay. The, 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 the event went fantastic. I played, I played fine. I sang terribly. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, really. And here's, yeah. here's a funny thing about this. It might've been cause we did a barbecue all afternoon and it might've been cause I was talking all afternoon. Talking is the worst. Well, talking is the worst. There's um, a lot of dirt and dust around the bandstand. And I've actually had problems all three years and I haven't been able to put my finger on it. It might be the talking or I might be allergic to this dust, but I, I've had the exact same symptom all three years. And of course, this is the year where we have the TV station there filming me from every angle of course. trying to sing. So, and, uh, and I, you know, the band looked great. The band played great. The, the stage lighting was first class. Everything was great. And I sang miserably. And, and I, and the thing was, I was disappointed when I realized this was going to be happening to me, which is, could probably be a whole nother show. When you realize early on in a show, it's not going to be your night. What do you do? But, um, but you know, I kind of, there were a couple of key songs I wanted to make sure we played, but fortunately I've got Nick and Simon and I just tossed a few more songs to them. Yep. They played and sang their butts off. People had a remarkable time. And the last thing I have to say about, you know, what, what this was, it was so rewarding, Dave. I mean, the expression of just joy of everybody who was there. It was, you know, you know how we felt sometimes at the end of Cirque du Max, we're like, we did something for people tonight. I mean, totally. It, it was the elation, smiling people, screaming people, emotional people. When we did this, hold your cell phones up moment. Mm. I mean, it was just this, it was a 5,000 person community that came together and just had joy saying goodbye to summer enjoying your neighbors and your friends and your family's company in this very unique environment. It was a beautiful, beautiful night, perfect weather. And so I, I have to say it might be one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done as both an event person and as a musician. I, I, I will echo those thoughts. And in fact, I will encourage everyone who's listening. If you've never done anything like this and, and obviously the scale at which you just did this is, is, you know, a, a very, very large, you don't feel like you have to start there. You know, you can do this for a hundred people. You can do this for 50 people and have it feel just as rewarding. It, you know, it, it pull it together, make it happen. Don't worry about the money and it can be an awesome thing. It really, really can. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's totally worth it. And yes, it's a, it's a lot of work, uh, no matter how big or how small it is, but it's, it doesn't matter. It, you'll, you'll, it's very satisfying. Yeah. It's really satisfying. So I, I, I want to go back to my logistics question. Sure. 
obviously there's the planning and all of that, but, but the actual setup, you know, we go to gigs. Sometimes you show up an hour before you play, you set up your stuff, you know, you do a line check and you're off to the races. That's not how this gig went for you. I'm guessing how, how early did the first people on site that were there specifically for the event, like probably the sound crew, you know, setting up that, that system, how, how far in advance did those people get there? And what was the kind of the, you know, the, the 10,000 view, 10,000 yeah. view of, of, of well, just let me, that let setup. me walk you through it. Yeah. I'll walk you through the whole setup. So okay. the first thing that was actually done was, uh, so the event was on a Saturday and on the Thursday morning at 10 a.m., is when the dance floor was delivered. So mm. this was 110 pieces of plywood to make a 60 wide by 54 feet deep um, dance floor. 110 pieces of plywood it took them about four hours of them. Um, so they put two by fours down and then they, they screw the plywood into the two by four. So it's not just at the whim of the ground, you know, so it's not, un- so it's not uneven. It's, uh, it's, you know, a supported dance floor. Sure. And that took about four hours and that was Thursday and that was it. Nothing on Friday, just going over the checklists of things that need to be done. And remember there's been weekly meetings leading up to this. Of, of course. Of, of course. Right. Yeah. So then the day of the event looks like this. Uh, we started at 8 a.m. And that was taping off aisles and pathways uh, so people could have some access if, if there were any medical issues, um, you know, so, so medical personnel could get to people rather than, rather than there being no organization, which actually was the case the previous two years. Sure. It was a, you know, we wanted it to be a little bit more organized. So we took about two hours, um, the morning of the event to, um, you get this tape and you get these kind of like, like these tacks that you, that you step on and, and step into the grass and you're creating this, this, these pathways so people know where to sit. We put up A-frame signs uh, to keep people from getting too close to the dance floor because we knew that even though we had 60 by 52, we knew people wanted more space than that. So we, you know, we just kind of organized the physical layout of things. Other things that had to happen were um, we had trash cans delivered that had to be taken from the parking lot into the park. Um, we had to set up and lay out where all of these service groups that were sponsors, they were going to set up a table or a tent or something uh, so all those things had to happen. So this this goes on starting at about 10 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, the sound guys come. Now, one of the constraints we have is uh, we could only have two escorts. The park ranger would only allow two times where she would escort caravans of cars. Because remember, it's still a public park. Yeah. And there were people in the park all day while we're setting this up. So the, the, from the parking lot along a path, it's probably about maybe maybe a quarter mile and uh and so the 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 park ranger has to escort people in so the first escort was the two sound trucks one and that's containing the lifts amps and these arrays so it's four speakers on each side it was really huge um so that that was one of the trucks and the other truck was, you know, mixer and you know the monitors and everything else sure they got there at 11 and it took them about three hours to get the sound set up. And, you know, there were a couple of glitches, a couple of adapters that needed to be go- gotten and those types of things. And while that's going on, uh, some more just of the park set up. And actually, so kind of fun. At 8 o'clock, 
the first guy got there to set his chairs out in the park. We took a picture with him. It was pretty cool. But he was like, oh, we found this last year and my wife and I love it. It's just so much fun. So he wanted to make sure he got the spot that he wanted. So he was, great. he was the first chair down. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah. And through the day, it's really kind of cool because it's like a slow trickle. And every time you kind of glance out at the park, you realize that there's more blankets and chairs set up. So it's kind of cool to watch it build and watch it build. Um, and then, you know, the, we had our own barbecue and, and a couple of the other groups had barbecues that started around four o'clock. Sound check was three, three fifteen for the, for our band and about four o'clock for the opening band. So my band shows up at two. That's the second caravan getting people in our band, you know, brings their stuff in unloads uh, at two, three o'clock is our sound check. Uh, the other band sound checks at four. So we're done. We're done with our sound check about three forty-five, Yep. And then we all went for a big barbecue of our own nice. at about 75, hundred people. We just kind of hung out family, friends, fans. And so that was just like a big social, you know, fun thing for us. The other band gets done their sound check and the trickle of chairs is now turning to a stream of chairs and people are starting to load in, you know, pretty, pretty diligently. You know, we had um, other great community involvement, we had a couple of groups from our local Cub Scouts and Sea Scouts that were there that did things like, like they were on trash patrol the whole time. They um, were helping escort people in and out of the park. I mean, they're just awesome. And it was had a great community feel for it. So that was another really cool thing that we did. Um, around 5 o'clock, we started some announcements. Around 5.15, the mayor of our town was there. So the mayor got introduced, <laughs> welcomes everybody. And then 5.30 was downbeat for the music. So... That's awesome. uh, you know, the big things were, yeah, the big things were the installation of the, of the dance floor, which happened on Thursday, right? Sound took about three, three and a half hours to get set up. Um, the sound checks for the band, uh, you know, Oh, we had, I was telling you, we had a first aid service. So they bring this kind of mobile first aid, uh, van or, or, um, uh, uh yeah, I guess it's a van. Yeah. Uh, so they, they get there and they kind of set their stuff up and, but it That's was awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. So I think it, it was one of those things. Go ahead. I think it is one of those things, though, that you create the vibe that you want for this. I mean, in it not being a for-profit thing, you get way more goodwill from people. You know, yes. you get way more, and and then you know you add to the this the health issues of my friend and people wanting to do something for her. So there was this circle of blessing around this whole thing. It was just really nice. The people who like, how can I help? Anything I can do. People stepped up, friends and friends and friends. I actually had to turn people away because it was too late in the game for me to explain to them how to do one of the jobs that we needed. Sure. And we had enough volunteers. But um, yeah, man, it was, so it, you, it is a very rewarding thing to do. You taught, well, and it, that was kind of what I was going to highlight here is you talked about, you know, the, the chairs, right? That the, the, that started as, as one guy and then, and then sort of a, a trickle and then a, a stream. This is the this is part of the that that reward that you get when you build something and do it time and again. You know, the first time it might be a success, but you learn some things and you're like, oh, we could do it differently. And but you're you know, you're constantly building this um, this thing. I mean, it it's becomes a real thing, not just for you and all the effort you're putting into it, but for the people that attend. And it, it's you know, it's something they say, oh, I'm going to put this on my calendar and we've noticed that. I mean, we saw it with our Cirque du Mac party, certainly. We, and I've seen it with our Fling Fest. You know, we did the first one and it was a resounding success, but everybody sort of came in tentatively. They, it was well attended, but 
people were like, I don't know if this is going to work. And it, uh, of course, it worked really well. And now, you know, by the time we show up at the club to do our load in and, and sound check, there's already, you know, reserved signs on all the tables there. It's like, oh, that's this great. Is, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Right. You know, that's that's pretty cool. So, yeah, it's well, it's, it's a it's thing that the world is so much different. It, it You know, it used to be for music. It was a very club centric mm. opportunity. Right. And I think people are getting smarter about creating better ways to express their music in different things. I mean, whether it's jam nights or like I said, around here, we have this thriving winery, you know, venue scene around here. Yeah. But this is, it. you know, there's, if you, we, you come from a pure place that want to do something for people. If it's overtly a promotional thing for your own band, I think you're going to be sniffed out and you're probably not going to be, you're not going to like it very much. Right. You know, you're not gonna like the reaction that you get, but if it's like, we have this thing that we do that we really like and we want to do it for you and it's not going to cost anything. Just come bring good vibes and have a good time. Yeah. You can ride that a pretty, pretty long way. You can ride the good karma wave a pretty long way. Yep. Yeah. We've always charged for our uh, fling fests Uh, for the most part, the money always winds up going to charity and, Mm. and that works well. You know, it, it, it puts a value on it for people. And I've always kind of felt that was important, you know, but, um, but then we take that value and, you know, send it off to a good cause. And, and it's, yeah, well, we talked about, it. there's nothing wrong with, with establishing the value and it's one way to do it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not advocating for paid versus not paid. Sure. Our model, our model is a sponsored model, but yeah. it's actually not a sponsored model. Now it's a sponsored model and a goodwill model. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. You can, right. There's, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. It just, you know, just, the intention is the uh, the intention will shine through, as you said, you know, and that's that's the key. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, I'm glad it, it worked out. I have one last question for you. Sure. A month ago, you teased us here and talked about a song that you were trying to play, wanted uh, to play, weren't sure if it was going to work, but you wouldn't tell us what the song was. <laughs> yep. It was the Detroit medley by by Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. And so did you play and- it? Well, we did play it. Actually, we've been we've been playing it at a few gigs leading up to try and get it. And it was a it's a song I love, and I think it's like a big you know live song. It's it got a great energy to it. But for whatever reason, we weren't very good at it. You know, it, it it could be my head that what I heard live and what I heard performed didn't. I was so stuck on that that I couldn't find it. Yep. But it felt kind of cacophonous to us. You know how like yeah, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a straight ahead rocker. But there is some dynamic to it, and there is, you know, some some space in some of the part, you know, in in uh, CC Rider, that you know, there's some space, and there were subtle things, you know, my Nick, is, my keyboard player is a very percussive keyboard player, and you know, that keyboard, that organ part in CC Rider is very straight ahead, and it, it, he, I don't know if he didn't feel it, but he didn't play it, and I might not have given him more direction about it. And he wasn't a great fan of the song anyway. He felt it was, you know, too simple, simplistic a song, sure. as did a few other guys in the band. So we were not on the same page about this. We, I, I had brought it out several times over the years and never really felt it. And then it dawned on me because this crowd who comes to the park dance is, you know, five to 75, um, that this you know probably would resonate to some people who love 60s music. And we had a killer horn chart to it and it is, you know, it was a very big sound, but we had to iron out quite a few of the edges. And so I brought it back. It sounded pretty darn good. The first time we picked it up again in rehearsal, I think everybody's heads were just more open to it. And, I, and I'm actually going to credit this. My band guys listen to this and it'll be interesting if I get smacked for this one yeah, or whether they're going to agree with me. 
But you know, in in our band, one of the things this year is there was a way more universal acceptance of trying other people's stuff. Doesn't mean everybody loves everybody else's stuff, but there was way you know, and I, I have to put myself at the top of this. The, uh, you know, I, I'm not the biggest funk fan in the world, and I would be concerned if if too much funk music was getting into our into our repertoire. Yep. And I probably voiced it more in past years, but this year, I just, I for whatever reason, I was like, we're just going to try everything, and what sticks sticks. Yeah. And I think that that vibe, and it's an interesting thing because you can just as easily take. You could just easily take the opinion that no, I have a, I'm committed to this belief I have about how the music, what music should be, and how good, you know that that wouldn't be wrong. But in in my band, it it, it what what's nurturing is um, acceptance and um, and encouragement. Yeah, and so you know maybe it maybe it comes from me, or maybe everybody happened to be in the same place as we started going through this stuff, but but everybody was much more encouraging, accepting of everybody's ideas. And that was kind of a vibe for all the music we, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge Steely Dan fan, but many of the guys in the band are huge Steely Dan fans. And we added a Steely Dan song. And I, you know, I spent the time, I learned the guitar solos. I gave it everything I could. And maybe it starts from the leader down. So, you know, it, which is a thing leaders need to be thinking That's about, right. you know, yeah, do, you, right. do you hold the line and say, Nope, it's my band on the leader. Here's where we go. You get what you get if you do that. Some people's personality can sell that and your band members will fall in line. Maybe uh, some people, you got to find what works for your band. And, and in my band with a lot of strong personalities, you know, this was a year that was remarkably copacetic. Yeah. You think you've said that it's, and that's a good yeah. thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it all, it all boils down to, and acceptance. And I think that's why this song made a good comeback for us. And I think it's why it made, it was possible for us to do that. And I'm, I just want to have one last story about my weekend. So, so we did this on uh, Saturday night, Sunday, we had our last out big outdoor gig of the year it was over at the beach town called Capitola. Traffic was horrible. Parking was horrible. <laughs> we played a two hour and 20 minute set straight through the night before, after, you know, partying all day, you know, not, not, reckless partying but you know being with friends all day this gig could have been terrible i mean everything was in line for it to be terrible right yeah yeah yeah. the band could have been tired could have been burnt like i said it was it was it was 92 degrees on the beach it was the parking was terrible because we were playing a festival in this little tiny town but the band took the stage they dealt with everything might have been our best show of the summer in terms of in terms of attention to detail i mean every hit was made every song was started together it was really remarkable and i i'm just really proud of my guys i mean they it could have been it could have been a sloppy gig and maybe because everybody realized it was a pretty special summer and this was our last one for this to close this chapter man the guys were awesome and it was it was so rewarding it was rewarding the show itself was rewarding coming from the night before which was incredibly rewarding it, this was unbelievable. So I got to say, man, I am blessed beyond reason. I have so many great things musically going on in my life, but this summer was one I'll, I'll always remember. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for walking us through that. I was uh, really curious to hear kind of all of it. And I got, yeah. I got, I got, I got more than I expected. So hopefully everybody else did too. Yeah, man. Good, man. It took my mind off my stupid wrist for an hour. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, 
keep doing the stuff, but don't, when will you go to a doctor and get it formally looked well, at? Well, I saw a doctor today, but I need to see an orthopedist. So that's either tomorrow or Wednesday, whenever I can sort it out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm not wasting any time with it. Uh, normally I hate doctors. I'm, I'm just, I mean, I don't hate them. I, I am, I am not someone who just jumps at the opportunity to go to the doctor. Yeah. You know, and you're suspicious of, uh, of diagnoses. I am. And I'm especially suspicious when they say, look, there's nothing on the x-ray, but it's probably broken. Like, yeah, you know, we got to talk about that because I'm not buying it, you know, but, um, but being my wrist and being a drummer, I'm really, really worried about this. So I want to get it taken care of. Right. But that may require a couple of opinions and, you know, so I may have to go through right. the whole, the whole process. Well, it'll be, It'll be the first thing we talk about every week until this is this right. is done. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully this is only a couple of shows worth, right? You know. Good. So, hopefully. Yeah, that's right. All right. Thanks, folks. Hey, if you have any questions, anything to say to us, uh, feedback at giggabpodcast.com is the place to to send all that. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you've ever put on a festival or really any event, we'd love to hear about it. And of course, if you have any questions, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Paul. Fun night. Thanks, Dave. Take it easy, folks. Bye.